I'm speaking on a passion, a, a, a passage that I'm passionate about because it's one of my favorites. Today we're going to talk about choosing a life of joy. And if you want to check in on Facebook and let people know you're at the Church of Indian Lake, we always love it when you do that. Or if you're trying to avoid Facebook so you can have joy in your life, then don't do that. So my family, we were at Disney World earlier this week, and, and so standing in line for hours and hours and hours. Um, I did glance at Facebook occasionally. I, I decided not to post any this week because I didn't want to manage any comments and all that. But I saw all the stuff you guys posted, and you were entertaining. And I, I just want you to know this. I'm friends with a lot of you on Facebook. You guys do not agree uh, when it comes to this uh, national election and local election, okay? In case you didn't know that, you guys are not on the same page. And, and, and that's okay because we're here part of a different kingdom uh, in this church and in this body, the kingdom that will never end, even if America ends someday, and I'm not predicting that, certainly not wishing that, the kingdom of God prevails forever and ever and ever. Aren't you glad to be part of the kingdom? Aren't you glad to be part of the kingdom of God? Now, I, I, I want you guys to be informed, informed voters, and I think I am. I'm an old dinosaur. I actually take two physical papers, the local paper and a national paper, a physical paper that comes to my house. Can you believe that? I'm the only person over under the age of 80 who does that anymore. And I also record the news to watch the first five or ten minutes of it. So, so I, I feel like I'm pretty informed. I'm not like saying bury your head and don't know what's going on. But I, I want to say this. Do you realize that there are people who are getting paid lots of money and on and they're holding on to lots of power. And the way they're doing it is stoking your distrust and fears. I'm talking about political operatives, talk show radio hosts who need to keep people buying commercials on their show, cable news prognosticators, and don't leave out national religious leaders who need to stay in the limelight and need their name to be known. And so what they're doing is they're stoking up fear and distrust in you. That's why this message and the scripture we look at today is more relevant than ever before because we as God's people need more joy. We need more joy. Joy that is not centered on earthly circumstances. Joy that's not centered on even national identity. Joy that's not centered on whether we win or lose in this life. But joy that's centered on the gospel. The power of the gospel and the power of the message of the gospel demands a joyful life. And we need joy like never before. We are God's people and listen to me, friends. The fact that we're God's people means that we are a different kind of people. We're strangers in this land. 
We're sojourners who are passing through a land we call America, but this is not our final home. This is just a place we pass through until our final home. We're God's people who are called by our leader to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. We're part of a community with various opinions and perspectives while remaining, remaining submitted to the scripture. And we will choose joy. This is what God's called us to do. We'll, we'll choose joy in the face of persecution. We'll choose joy even if our, quote, rights are taken away from us. We'll choose joy if we finally admit we're in the minority. We'll choose joy if we disagree with someone we respect. We'll choose joy right in the middle of the judgment of God because judgment doesn't come to those who are covered by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's a reason to have joy. We will choose joy. That's why Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4, says it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Now, maybe the best thing I could do today is just sit right here on this beautiful empty row. By the way, any Sunday you need a seat, this row is available to you, right? Just, just so you know. And we can just sit here and just meditate on that line for you know, for the next 20 minutes, and it would probably do us a lot of good, wouldn't it? Because, see, joy is a measuring stick. Joy is a barometer. Joy is one of the indicators of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. So when we're lacking joy in our life, then we're lacking part of Him in our life. Joy isn't this circumstantial, circumstantial experience that just gives us feelings of elation when things are going the way we want to. Joy is a inner satisfaction centered on Christ no matter what outside circumstances are occurring. Now, we're going to talk about this whole passage today, so let me read the rest of it. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Here's the first point I want to make today. It's not point number one. It's kind of like a pre-point. So there won't be a one there, but there is a blank there. Can y'all catch on, right? You're in the review. Can y'all figure this out? For a Christian, joy is a lifestyle, not an emotion. Because a lot of times we don't feel joyful. So an emotion is, emotions have their place. We have to be careful to say, well, Emotions never play a part in my decision-making because God does use emotions. He does use emotions at times. But we often equate joy only with emotion. We, it is an emotion at times, but it's more of a lifestyle than an emotion. And so we have a joy that's centered on the knowledge of the cross, the knowledge of the gospel. And that's why every single week that we gather, 
And when we gather, we should be scripturally centered people, Jesus-centered people, because at the end of the day, if you don't get Jesus and you don't get the gospel, then uh, you really have not experienced the core of our faith. And a lot of things that we do in the church, if we're not careful, we don't stay centered. It's, it's just... It's just missteps. It's, it's like cotton candy. It's not the meat that nourishes us. But the gospel message, and the realization that we are sinners that have been redeemed by the work of Jesus. We've been chosen by God. We've been adopted. This is a truth that we need to hear over and over and over again. Nurture that truth and let it be the centerpiece of our life. And I want you to understand this, that we are not powerless Because the choices we make today will produce the level of joy we have tomorrow. Joy can be cultivated. Joy can be developed. And look at this scripture today. I want to show you four choices that can produce more joy in your life. Because I, I want the rest of this year to go well for you. It should. It should be a good rest of the year because Jesus is working. He's working in you. He's working in this community. He's working in us as a people. And he's calling us to holiness. He's calling us to prayer. He's calling us to a Jesus-centered life. Have you ever been, well, don't admit this because this is, just so you know, this is a rhetorical question. Have you ever been to General Sessions Court? And this place, General Sessions Court is a madhouse. It's a madhouse. If you've never been, you, you ought to go just to see in Gallatin and Sumner County just to see a full scope of what the society we live in is. And there, there's lots of people who go for, you know, for reasons that aren't, aren't, aren't dark or they're just made, you know, minor violations and so forth. But when you go to General Sessions Court, and so I've been there. Are you hearing this, all right? I won't say whether it was pastoral duty or personal duty, so you'll just have to guess and be suspicious. Uh, but you go into this place, and it's a, it's a room a little bigger than this, and it's just chaotic. You have the accused and their family members and lawyers, and it's just a kind of a chaotic atmosphere. And then the bailiff comes in, and says, all rise for the honorable judge to come in. And we know that these judges are men and women like us. There's nothing special about them. But they, they hold an authority in their office. And that's why they wear the robes. Because, you know, no telling what they're wearing underneath those robes. We may respect it, we may not. But, but they put on the robe and it, it feels official as part of the office. And they come in, they say, the bailiff comes in, all rise. And the tone of the room changes. The tone of the room changes because the person in authority is there in the room. It's a remarkable change. And if someone does disrespect the judge, they remove, they remove them. The, the office, the, the authority the judge has changes the tone of the room. When I think about what we have the opportunity to do, we have the opportunity to insert the authority of God in every situation that we're in, in the workplace, in the school, on the team. Insert God within the conversation, within the dialogue, 
we can insert the presence of God in a situation. And when the presence of God comes into a situation, it changes the tone. It changes the tone completely. Here's my first observation from the scripture. We can choose joy by cultivating gentleness that brings an awareness of God. You say, what? Gentleness? What? How many know gentleness is not a top characteristic everyone dreams for and strives for? Gentleness is not celebrated in our culture. But the scripture says, and I've seen it from my experiences, that people who are gentle bring an awareness of God into a situation. This is what the scripture says. Look at verse 5 of Philippians 4. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. There's something about a gentle spirit that brings an awareness of the authority of God. You know, I've been working with boards here at the church for eight and a half years, and we've been so blessed. We have an awesome leadership board, every single one. I think about every single person who's served on the leadership board of this church, and they've all, every single one's been a blessing. Every single one's been a blessing. And those meetings can be sometimes um, passionate because there are men and women who have opinions and who are seeking God together. And I was thinking about some of our members who who would bring up a timely opinion in a gentle way, and it just kind of changed the tone of the room. Les Fuller did that a lot. Charles Watson did that a lot. Kevin Acevedo did that a lot. Kevin had a way of just sitting there listening and then saying, hey, guys, this is what I think. Deanne DeWitt's on the board now. She does that too. Brings a gentleness. And there's something about a gentleness that just calms everyone down and and makes us realize, hey, God's here. God's here. Eric Poulin, now he's out of the country, so I can talk to him. He's not real gentle in board meetings. But have you ever heard Eric preach the word? You may not have because he does it to children every month, two or three times a month, and does it at BBS. And, And when Eric teaches the scripture to kids, there's a gentleness on him that you sense God. I mean, you just, I mean, you just sense the presence of God. I've, I've heard Eric teach to kids, and it, and it touches my spirit. It touches my spirit. Gentleness kind of brings in the presence of God. That's why we need to cultivate it more. I'm not naturally a gentle person at all, and, and I've had to cultivate that in my life. I've had to develop that in my life. I've used that as a measuring stick, as a barometer as something that lets me know how submitted I am to the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Gentleness is good for a lot of reasons. Um, Gentleness makes you more healthy, kind of helps with the blood pressure and the stress and the anxiety, so that's a good reason. Gentleness reduces the amount of enemies you have in your life. Yeah. So if you want less people ticked off at you, try to be a little more gentle. You know what anger does? Anger makes us feel powerful. I said this a few weeks ago, but it deserves repeating. 
Anger makes us feel powerful because fear doesn't feel good. And so when we are afraid, we respond in anger because we don't enjoy that feeling of fear. And that feeling of anger makes us feel more powerful. That's why historically we are an angry people. We love conflict. We love war. We love to relive the wars we've been in. And Jesus loves peace. The peace that comes from his authority. The peace that comes from people submitted to his ways and his plans. And there's far less regret in our life when we choose gentleness. Uh, When I have misspoken to my wife, to my kids, uh, to people here in the church, um, in retrospect, if I would have chosen gentleness those times, it it would have gone so much better. Proverbs 15.1 is a wise statement. It says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I'm just telling you, some of you, your life will go better if you start applying the scripture to your life. You need to write this down on an index card, or you need to put it in your notes, or you need to do whatever you can get it physically in front of you. Because your life will improve with this. We all followed Hurricane Matthew last week. We saw that, how alarming the reports were at the beginning. Category four hurricane. And and there's just something, there's just something alluring about watching this act of nature uh, develop in the ocean and, and, for those who are in the path, it's, it's so frightful, and we pray for those today who are recovering for that. We think about them now. But as the pronosticators are giving the wind speed and the width and the dimension, it just captivates our attention. But we follow enough of these hurricanes to know that some of the time, and it certainly was the case with this Hurricane Matthew, some of the time, um, the the part that allures us and the part that impresses us does not become the part uh, that impacts us to that degree. So it wasn't the wind speed that made the largest impact. Uh, what, what makes the largest impact is the storm surge. And the storm surge comes kind of slowly. It just, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And in, in the case of today, now a week later, in further inland... In North Carolina, in places like Princeville, North Carolina, and Nichols, South Carolina, they're still dealing with the effects of Hurricane Matthew this day. The rivers have not crested there. And there are three or four towns that are still submerged today. So so we all kind of move on, but those who are affected by the storm surge and, and the rivers that overflow, they don't get to move on. They don't get to move on. And see... I was thinking about this as a metaphor uh, to anxiety in our life. A lot of times anxiety doesn't just hit us in the face at once. It can, and it does. But a lot of times anxiety is kind of like that storm surge. It it just keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. Even so, a week later, even so sometimes later, the, the ramifications of the storm still come later on. And the anxiety just, the anxiety just keeps 
increasing in our life, almost slowly. It doesn't hit us in the face. It just surrounds us. It's like a flood that surrounds us, that engulfs us. That's how anxiety, anxiety has often been in my life. I want you to see something from Scripture today as we're looking for ways to choose joy. Number two, one of the most important principles in my life is replace anxiety with prayer. Replace anxiety with prayer. Again, anxiety creeps up on you. It surrounds you and it encompasses you. A lot of times when we don't realize that we're struggling with anxiety until we're overwhelmed and then we feel stuck. This is what the scripture says today in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. One of the reasons we don't have joy in our life is because of anxiety. And I'm going to tell you one of the most important realizations in my spiritual life. And this is so simple it's almost embarrassing to tell you this, but it, I've told you this before, but it's so good you need to hear it again. Whenever um, I'm dealing with anxiety, I used to get out a paper and pen. Now I get out my phone and I, I'll write down the notes. Okay, what am I anxious about? And I, and I list the things that I'm anxious about. And then I take that list and my anxiety list becomes a prayer list. Now, I, I'm not kidding with you. I mean, I literally take time and write out that which is making you anxious. Use code words if you, if you don't want to throw someone under the bus or anything like that. You know. But in a reasonable way, write out things that are making you anxious and then take those to prayer. I'm telling you, it turns around the enemy strategy in your life, before you know it, that which is causing anxiety in your life, you begin to go on the offensive and you begin to include God in that situation. And now anxiety, which is, is highly, highly capable of stealing joy, anxiety instead takes you to the source of joy. You turn to the Lord. You give these things to him. Whatever matter it is, and we don't have to compare our anxiety list to see who has it worse because if it's real to you, it's real. So if it's something that may, may seem small to someone else, that's part of the depth of God's love because a problem that may be small to someone else is big to your God because your God loves you so much. So let those things that are just eating away at you, that are like a flood that's suffocating you, turn those around into prayer. I want you to go to Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15. Here's another scripture that really helps me. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. How many know that sometimes we don't let the peace of Christ rule? We're like, ah, nah. Give to God. I don't want to give to God. I, I just want to worry. I want to be angry. I want to have anxiety. I want to chew on this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. This scripture means so much to me. One of the reasons I'm using the NIV for this particular Sunday is I learned a lot of these principles when I primarily used the NIV when I was growing up in the Lord. Not that I've grown up. I still have a lot of growing up to do. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Think about that phrase for a second. 
Let God's peace make decisions in your life. The baseball playoffs are occurring right now. Who is with the Cubs in here? Anyone with the Cubs? All right. All right. We got some proud Cub people. Um, then then um, let's see what other teams are in there. There's um, the Dodgers. I know we got one Dodger fan over here. They shall claim it. Any other Dodger fans? No, there's no Toronto fans. I know that. If you're a Toronto fan, that's against God's will because they beat my team. So they beat the Rangers. And, and isn't there another team in there? Is there? Who is that team? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, we don't want anything from Cleveland. We don't want to um, speak in the house of God. But, yeah, they're in there, too. So, so last night when I was switching around between the, the, the different ball games, I, I was at a live moment. I've never watched a baseball game from the beginning to the end. I mean, that's just an impossibility. Unless your kid's playing, that's just impossible to sit there from the beginning to the end. But we switch back and forth and stuff. And... Um, Adrian Gonzalez plays for the Dodgers, and he was on second base. He's a really good hitter and really good first baseman, and they hit the ball to outfield, and he runs around, and the, the coach tells him to turn around third, and Zobris throws the ball in, and, I mean, you just knew as soon as Zobris threw the ball and you, you saw the pathway that Gonzalez was not going to make it. I mean, he was not even close, and he got thrown out the play. Did anyone else see that play besides me? Any? Oh, well, this is not a good illustration because no one else saw it. I thought I was like going to connect with some of the dudes here. Yeah, I actually saw the baseball game and no one saw that play. So, okay. All right. That, well, can I edit that out of the 1045 service real quick? Uh, and, and so the umpire, this wasn't necessarily a close call, uh, but when there are close calls, or I guess I can lie to you to make it a better, better illustration. It was such a close call. Okay, uh, will that be better? Uh, the, the umpire, uh, he makes a decision. Safe or out. That's what he says. This, this scripture that we looked at, Colossians 3, talks about that's like the peace of God in our life. The peace of God says, I'm in this, or I'm, or no, you're out of here. This is not of me. This is not part of my character. I will say that the peace of God cannot be our only indicator. We need the counsel of the church and scripture and a full, a full extension of ways we hear from God. But the peace of God... God's peace is one of the primary ways we make decisions in our life. And to be a person of joy, peace has to be one of the indicators of your life. Write this down in point number three. Live under the rule of God's peace. God's peace is wanting to protect you. God's peace is wanting to prevent you from going certain places, or participating in certain behavior. God's peace wants to allow you to say no to certain relationships in your life that will be destructive to the life of God in you. God's peace says, you're safe. This is of me. Or God's peace says, out, you're out of here. This isn't right. And, and as we're communing with the Holy Spirit, as we're in relationship with Jesus, as we begin to get a taste of his peace, an understanding of his peace, we can see that the peace of God is such a gift to us. Look at the text for today. Now in verse 7 of Philippians 4. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is a major, major factor in your life that we don't emphasize enough. His peace will 
determine, will be our umpire, will tell us what is of him and what is not of him. That's why I want you to make a decision right now. I want you to look at the days ahead. I, I, I look at my years in certain segments, and we're in a new segment now, between Sumner County Schools fall break and Thanksgiving. I've planned the next four or five weeks, and I'm going to hit it hard the next four or five weeks and then disengage again during Thanksgiving. And we're kind of on this cultural rhythm here, and it helps us. It helps us. We all need finish lines. And so now we're going into these next four or five weeks. I have a lot of high-stake meetings. We have a lot of things going on in our culture. We have a lot of different things that are, that are occurring. And I want to make up my mind right now that I'm going to be a person of joy. I'm going to live in the peace of God. And we're going to make that determination right now. And, and, and listen, if you make that determination in your mind right now, that's half the battle. If you decide ahead of time that you're going to put your mind at the place God wants it to be. To choose joy, here's the last point. Keep your mind on good things. Keep your mind on good things. And this is what the text says today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And this is the scripture. And I really wanted today to give you scripture, scripture, scripture. Scripture, so you can let the word of God feed your spirit and cause your spirit to come alive. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The joy in our life will increase if we make a decision right now to put our minds upon the things of God and the right things. Now, if you choose to watch horror flicks, on a regular basis the next few weeks, that's not going to produce the peace of God in your life. It may produce nightmares in your life. You're like, I like it. I like that. I enjoy that stuff. Well, I'm just letting you know, you can choose, you can choose, you know, whether you want the peace of God. Now we need to be, we need to be aware of what's going on in, in culture and um, public safety is important, but don't get addicted to these crime shows and watch like, I'm going to spend three hours watching how people were abducted and killed and, and, and all this before I go to bed tonight for three hours and think you're going to have the peace of God and think you're going to have the joy of the Lord. I mean, let's think about this, people. Let's think about this. I mean, maybe that's entertaining for, you know, a 30-minute segment and then go spend another hour in the Word or listening to some podcasts or, or listening to some worship. You know, I'm not a legalist here. I just want us to be logical. You know, we're not going to receive the joy of the Lord by watching sexually explicit entertainment. That's not going to produce joy in our life. It's not going to produce fidelity in our marriages. It's not going to produce purity in the heart. So you can make a decision right now. Do you want to feed your mind on, on things that are going to exasperate are to increase lust in your life. If, you, if you're going to do that, you can make the choice right now. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in lust. I'm not going to live in anger. I'm not going to be manipulated by voices of culture. I'm not going to be manipulated by conspiracy theories unless I know they're, well, if they're for true, they're not a conspiracy theory. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The peace of God is ruling my heart. The peace of God is that which is ruling me. 
And it's in charge of who I am. And it's in charge of my destiny. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says it this way. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. He trusts in you. This is what happens. The peace of God, the perfect peace of God is available to us. It's available if we decide to put our mind where God wants our minds to be. It's like a gift of his grace. It's a gift of his grace. I'm not talking about us as like, we're, these, we're this great power in ourselves, and we can create our future with our mind. I'm saying that there is grace. If we put our mind upon who God is, we receive more and more of his measure of grace and strength in our life. So what is the gospel application for this? You know, because I love giving you practical steps to live out this life with God, but it all goes back to the cross. It all goes back to Jesus. And here's the last thing you can put down. Jesus chose the cross out of joy. If he hadn't figured out that blank, that's the last blank. What are you talking about? The cross was hard. The cross was difficult. The cross was costly. The, 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 the cross came with insult and persecution and pain and departure of close friends. But out of joy, he chose the cross. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3 says it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him. You see that the author and perfecter for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Encouragement from the Lord is here today because there's joy in the ways of the Lord. There's joy in the kingdom of God. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. And we just want to wait on the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. We just need to receive from the Lord this day. We just need to receive from the Lord. We just need to receive from you this, Lord. This day, Lord, we need to receive from you. We need to receive from you, God. God's people, you are not to be in confusion. God's people, you are not to be in dismay. God's people, you are not to be in perpetual depression. God's people, you are not to be in a state of confusion. Listen, the Lord... The Lord our God is mighty. He's mighty to save. He's powerful. He is enthroned above every principality and power and darkness. And he is high and lifted high. And he is worthy of our joy. He's worthy of our attention. He deserves it all. God, we just focus on you right now. Right now, focus. I want you to set your mind on things of God right now. Just, you just right now, make a decision. My mind is going to get on the things it's supposed to be on this day. My mind is going to, in the weeks to come, the days to come, I'm not going to get off focus. I'm going to be focused on, on my devotional life. I'm going to be focused on the principles of the Lord. I'm going to be focused on the characteristics of Jesus. I'm going to be focused on the fruit of the Holy Spirit developing in me, growing in me. This is what we need, Lord. This is what we need from you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. We just love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Let's just wait upon the Lord together.
Thank you, Lord. What would you say to us, God? You've spoken through your scripture today. What would you say to us, O oh Lord? What would you say to us, Lord? So grateful for Philippians 4, verse 4 through 8. Thank you, God, for what it's meant to my life, God. God, let me apply it more. Let me live it more. Let me live it more. Thank you, Jesus. There's something I just want to share with you. something the Lord spoke to me this morning through a prayer that I get. I get a prayer sent to me every day. And this one said that culture wants to tell us to follow our hearts. That's what culture says. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. But the scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things. And I, I, I want you to be warned as the Lord has warned me today. Don't just follow your heart if your heart's not right with God. Listen to me. Don't just follow your heart if your heart is not connected with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the leadership of the Lord. It's not, that's humanism. That's a lie. Don't just follow your heart. Follow your heart only if it belongs to the Lord and it's redeemed by Him.